Hello everybody, welcome to your very favorite Spider-Man podcast. Here comes the Spider-Cast. I am your co-host, Michael, and as always, I'm joined by... Joshua Mervell, and today we're going to be talking about Spidey comics from September of 1984. That's right, and after a two-week absence, we have G.I. Jolie back. Woo! Woo! Are you going to edit in applause? Mike? That would be... Amazing. Woo! <laughs> Woo! All right. So yeah, you picked a good week to come back. Uh, to be honest, I was really worried about these choices, but I don't know if I was just in a weird mood or something, but I actually enjoyed pretty much all four of these. Well, at least three of them. Well, okay. <laughs> Did you? Yes. Let's uh, let's just save. You know, we'll, we'll, you know, it's like a marathon. We gotta save some of our energy for the end. So. Let's just try to stay positive. Let's start here with Amazing Spider-Man number 256. Um, as everybody knows, we're in the middle of the alien costume saga. Um, and so this is the beginning still of uh, Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends' run. Um, so G.I. Julie, you've missed um, a few issues in a row here. First, I just want to ask you, uh, what do you think of this cover? I don't know about it. Um... It's strange. <laughs> it's, uh, let me just uh, pop out so I can see the whole thing at once. I like it graphically, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, oh, you know, that noir lighting. Yeah. I like just, the, uh, you, the shadow of him around the corner, you know, he's a mysterious figure, injured, helpless, and stalked by the puma. And then Spidey is holding his arm. He's got a spider sense shooting out. I don't know. I think it's really cool. Again, like we talked about last week, the inking is terrible, but the design is great, I think. Mm. Yeah, I guess that's what's kind of ruining it for me is the inking. I just, I didn't know what to, how to put my finger on that. And I just, I'm very distracted by the brick wall because it's red. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I didn't really notice that. But I, I like the yellow on the, you know, the one in the foreground. I think that's really cool. And how Spidey's also yellow. That's yeah, cool. it add it adds kind of like this uh, sense of urgency to it too. Like you can really tell that he's in pain. I mean, besides right. the fact that it says injured and helpless <laughs> right, right there right. on the cover, I like <laughs> besides that, like you can still tell like the pose that he's in his arm kind of looks almost like it's limp or dislocated the bright mm -hmm. colors and and the the spider sense lines above his head uh the, the even the, his eyes are kind of even they, they seem like they're drawn even a little bit wider as well so it's kind of like yeah adds this like sense of shock which is which is cool right okay so uh i'm as usual, I'm going to summarize this one. So we jump into the action. We've got the title here, Introducing Puma, who I never liked, but I kind of like him now. But we'll talk about him later. So Spidey comes in and intervenes on this uh, caper, like this um, this group of hoodlums have this, or this uh, I don't even know what they're doing, to be honest. I can't remember, but they're doing something. And he comes in and they're doing busts up. Crime. Crime. Yeah, they're doing crime. They're using science to do crime. And Spider-Man comes in and punches them all out. Meanwhile, the black cat is on the rafters taking pictures of Spider-Man, punch them all. <laughs> and it's pretty straightforward, typical Marvel stuff, right? Of that time. Spider-Man and Peter Parker, or, no, or sorry, Spider-Man and Black Cat have their typical 
you know, lo mini lovers quarrel, they kiss, Spider-Man goes off, Black Cat's all mopey, Spider-Man goes home, he's got his alien costume that he doesn't know what's going on with it yet, but while he's sleeping, it is moving around and doing things on its own. You know, the readers, to them, this is still a mystery at this point, they have no idea what's happening. But basically, um, we see uh, two criminals like in an alley, and when they look up, they see Spider-Man swinging above them. And so as a reader at this time, you're like, what the heck is going on? Peter Parker's asleep, right? What could be going on? So then we cut over to the Rose, and you know, we get a little bit of Rose action there. Rose is like a new figure in the crime world here. Um, and he's got his own goons here, and he basically tells them that he wants Spider-Man dead. So we cut over to... Oh, and he, he basically has got someone that he's going to hire to kill Spider-Man. And so we cut over and we're introduced to a completely new character, which I think is cool. And this is in um, Hartsdale, New Mexico. So we're introduced to this guy. Oh, sorry. First, we're introduced to this woman that goes out to find him 60 miles away in like the mountains. And we're introduced to this guy, the Puma, who basically, I guess you could say he's kind of like a werewolf, but instead of a wolf, he's a Puma, right? Mm. And he's dressed in like a, a pseudo superhero costume with like black and red tights, and he's basically wrestling with these pumas. So that, so you know so we know he's a puma, and uh, and then he be, and then he you know sits on this rock ledge. And he changes back to a human, so now we know he's a human. We get some daily bugle action with with uh, Peter Parker with uh, Robbie Robertson. Peter Parker gives uh, Mary Jane the cold shoulder. You know very typical stuff. And then we get to see a meeting between um, the Rose and the Puma. And then he sends the Puma off on his way to kill Spider-Man. And then the last sequence of the book is basically Puma and Spider-Man fighting. This is where Spider-Man gets his dislocated shoulder, which I think is a pretty cool you know, detail. But then, to be honest, I was actually really just getting into the story. And then it ended, which I guess is a good thing because it left me mm -hmm. wanting more. So, I will say that, as usual, we get a pretty... Typical, classic, I don't want to say middle of the road, but it's not a masterpiece, but it's kind of like a typical Tom DeFalco, Ron Friends action, you know, Marvel action comic book. Um, so I did enjoy it. Uh, G.I. Julie, what do you think of it? No. I don't. No. I'm not here for this one. It's, no? There's... Uh, <laughs> okay. I, oh, my God. I just... Too much. It, it just seemed really disjointed. I was very distracted by the feathers. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just felt like there were a lot of storylines happening, um, which I mean isn't so bothersome. Aside from the fact that the one storyline, which is supposed to be the main draw, uh, which is the storyline of the puma, is not like. It's just, it's like a barren wasteland. There's like nothing there. I don't feel like there's anything there other than, um, other than the feathers, <laughs> <laughs> which again was super distracting for me. Cause it's like, okay, cool. Like, it's just that, it's just that really, maybe it's like a microaggression, but it's a, it's like a trope where it's like, okay, cool. Like our native American friends or um, are mystical and they maybe they turn into animals like they're shapeshifters mm -hmm. like it's such a I don't know what why well I guess I guess <laughs> anyway. it's arguably a stereotype but um so so Josh yeah. what, what do you think of the puma do you like him no I think that he's uh 
he's got kind of a cool design and a cool costume, but there was that kind of like something there where I, I, I wasn't sure if it was like a, a stereotype or not. And I wasn't sure how I w- I'm supposed to feel about this. Like, I don't right. like I, I'm not sure if I'm like nothing stood out to me as being like obviously offensive. But I also don't know Native American cult culture um, enough to know the difference, I right. think. So um, I, I don't know. It's it's so strange. I, I feel like I, prob- I, I probably should have just looked this up to see what um, like fan reception is and what people think of this character today and right. um, whether it was a misstep or not. But um, well, I, I don't recall them like leaning into that aspect of him. They kind of just right. uh, maybe mention it when they introduce his character. But then after that, I don't remember anything standing out that was like specifically that had specifically anything to do with his uh, background so well I don't know as as someone who's 132nd Native American I wasn't offended by this at all so I'm fine with it but anyway uh, (laughs) but uh, I never really like as a kid I never really liked the Puma I, I always thought he was just kind of like a they really played up his honor later on, which reminded me of everything I hated about Worf in Star Trek. I really hate characters mm. that are obsessed with that honor code. And who knows? I mean, maybe this is um, culturally accurate. I don't really know. Like you said, I don't know much about Native American culture. Mm-hmm. But uh, it definitely stands out as being cliche, like Hollywood cliche for sure. Although, yeah. I got to say, I got to give Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends credit for creating like another because just oh they did, they've created the rose so far they created um the black fox and now they've got another new character so at least give them an a for effort for trying mm-hmm. to create a new character and but puma was a fairly big character in the late 80s and 90s so i don't know i i kind of associated with sarah and i've always liked him so i don't yeah. know i like him and then as far as this issue i thought oh sorry go ahead josh i think that he's pretty much he's pretty much just craven I mean, yeah, you could argue that. Yeah, yeah. like With I mean, uh, his, his. I mean, but his, even his clothes are really similar. Like he's got like the the tights and the fur on the boots and the shoulders. Um, right, right. He's you know, he's kind of he he's like a hunter. He's got like an animal motif. He's all about honor and you like know, tracking. He... And there's there's a lot of like similarities there. You kind of shattered my um. Yeah, I was kind of giving this more credit than it deserved. Because now that I think about it, we already talked about how the the Rose is kind of like the crime master. Right. And if the, if the Puma is basically Craven, then maybe Black Fox is similar to someone else that I'm just forgetting. So maybe these are all yeah. just retreats of classic Spider-Man villains. I don't know. Right. I, I don't know. I think... I think um... Black Rose could be really interesting. I, Rose was pretty uh, pretty fun in, in this issue, I thought. like He, he seemed a little Rose, bit more yeah. intimidating. He, you can tell that he's right. kind of like pulling the strings in the background, which is always fun, especially for that like larger kind of like bad guy in the shadows. And I think it could be really fun if down the road there's some conflict between him and Kingpin and maybe introduce some like tension there. Um, right. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to to see uh, where they go with this character, but kind of like mm-hmm. how Jolie said, like I, I liked it fine, but it it also didn't stand out to me as anything like fantastic. Um, 
I thought it was a pretty a pretty good average issue of of amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, G.I. Julie, what do you think of the story overall? I mean, you kind of said you didn't like it, but um, as an average issue of Spidey. <laughs> Again, <laughs> so many storylines that are overlapping. I did have one more thing to say about um, Fireheart, but um, about the stories overlapping, it's like it's like you get Spider-Man's life, or sorry, his his Black Cat life, and it kind of it's kind of halted. This it, it's very it, it's stunted. And then you move on to him at the Daily Bugle, and for some reason Mary Jane is there, and he, he he's kind of like he kind of pushes that into the story, and then that comes to a screeching halt. Mm. And then you see um, Puma f- finally actually going after Spider Man, and then it's it, it even like the I, like i don't know how to describe it it's just it seems like and that's it that's it it happens so abruptly it ends abruptly mm-hmm. right. all of the storylines end very abruptly but they all got mashed together very very hard like in a mm. very compact way and it, it feels like it feels like there could have been more there should have been more maybe this was like an in-betweener i wouldn't be sad i don't know I'm not totally. Well, there's more coming. Other yeah. Than the it... fact, yeah, I mean, other than the fact that you get to the, the depict, I want to talk about. I wanted to talk about the depiction of Fireheart, sure. and this is the first time I've ever seen it, and uh, just the representation of an indigenous character not being a quote savage. He's a businessman, a scientist, mm-hmm. and a CEO of a company. You hear, you see him talking about moving his. He wishes his grandfather would move off the res and live in his mansion with him. Mm-hmm. And it's not often that you see uh, varied depictions of Native American, um, Native Americans in American right. culture, other than you know the kind that live on the res or the kind that own casinos or the kind that are criminals etc etc so I will say that that is something that I'm interested in is this character I do I will I do I wish that there is more absolutely am I disappointed that there isn't yes and that's probably why I don't really like this issue mm-hmm. they're introducing well, it, it, a character to me that they kind of just they, like, they stop in their tracks and I hate that. Well, yeah, we are going to see the continuation of this next month, though, or next week. So, right, I how it pays I off. I think that may be also my kind of like feeling towards it as well. Like, I'm I'm enjoying this issue, but it felt like it was missing something. But it that might be mm-hmm. just because it's a part one of a story, right? So, right, right, right. It, it this issue might get better over time as we continue and read more, and it. Like with context, it might feel better. Like they might bring the MJ story back, and um, maybe it'll be something with the Black Cat, and they'll kind of like tie up all these loose ends by the end of this arc. I mean, hopefully, they, hopefully that's the case. Um, so I'm definitely uh, curious and optimistic to see what's going to happen next, and uh, uh, hopefully, yeah, hopefully this gets better over time as we finish the story up. Well, I also want to briefly talk about the art because uh, we've talked about this uh, art team before. And while I do 
think Ron Franz is a great penciler. I think the inking here is garbage. I'm sorry, I think it's amateur. Um, it's black lines on a page. There's no sense of depth. There's no sense of texture. Uh, there's no real shadow. It's kind of just, it just, and, I, and I've heard rumors that Joseph Rubenstein uses a studio uh, of people to help him, and that would explain why so much of this just looks like, again, amateurs, you know, like could be teenagers helping him out, I don't know. But um, G.I. Julie, what do you think of the art in this issue overall? It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Is it's fine? Yeah. Um, okay. I just I don't. It, I'm reading a recolored issue, so I'm not really enjoying that part of it. It certainly makes um, it simplifies the colors. So I don't have to think about the colors, but the art itself. Um, I I don't really have a problem with it until I have to have a problem with it, and that's like because black suit spider-man needs to be colored with blue to show definition and highlight on his suit right um, that's where you see, that's where you see the anatomy flaws or say the inexperience in inking um mm -hmm. the shade of black right 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 so he'll be, yeah he'll be like jumping like the like things like foreshortening things like architecture every all of it's fine uh like you know the placement of uh, the features of the face. Nothing is glaringly bad, except right. for when you when you have to see all black, and it's terrible. Right, right, right. Ugh. Hmm. Okay. So yeah, I like it because it feels like a classic Marvel comic. But we really look closely. It's the inking, like I said, is terrible. But anyway, we've said enough about this comic. Uh, I I recommend it. I think it's a decent issue of Spider-Man. Josh, do you recommend it? Yes, I, I'd recommend it. All right, and G.I. Jolie? I recommend it to anybody who wants to see the black cat, you know, earn her photography chops. <laughs> oh, all right. That's weird. Yeah. I, I will she's... say, I think that this issue has done this Spidey black cat relationship better than Spectacular is doing it. Oh yeah, I mean, so I, I get, I, yeah, I like Al Milgram, but it's clear that Tom DeFalco is a better writer. He's just a better writer, right? Oh like, yeah, that's all. yeah. So at least Spider-Man feels a little bit guilty about using Felicia. Right, 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 right. All right. Well, on that note, we're gonna go to Josh's favorite, uh, Marvel Team Up, featuring Spider-Man, oh, Iron Man. Josh, only six more to go, man. Only six more to go. Six more. All right, let's do it. So all right. uh, with. Marvel team up 145 we have Spider-Man and Iron Man and they're facing off against uh, Black Lash um, this goon <laughs> this goon with a green ponytail and a whip um, alright let's get going so uh, Peter has been called to go to Cleveland for this um, this like science fair that's going on so uh, he's trying to make his plane to to uh, fly there. Iron Man is also heading there at the same time. Um, Iron Man, who uh, who is Rhodey at the time. Uh, it's it's not Tony Stark. Um, so every right. time I say Iron Man, it's it's Rhodes. Um, yeah, I mean, this story isn't really about Spider-Man or Iron Man. It's about this <laughs> other dude, uh, Blacklash, <laughs> who right. really sucks. And it's really supposed to kind of um, show you a more sympathetic side to a villain 
Um, and the the idea of that is super fun. Uh, the execution, on the other hand, is not so great. Uh, we we see this guy. I can't remember his um, uh, his name. It's yeah, it's uh, Mark Scarol- Scarlatti. Scarlatti, Scarlatti, yeah. Scarlatti. Yeah. So uh, we see Mark uh, as he's in the crowd, and Iron Man shows up, and he kind of like he's doing this presentation at the fair, and he kind of storms off, reminiscing about how Iron Man defeated him last time, and he decides to go pay a visit to his mom, who he's like kind of estranged uh, from his family. His family doesn't uh, talk to him anymore because he. Uh, they paid for his college and he kind of wasted that and started doing crime and I think robbing like a diamond store or something like that or like a jewelry store I mean Um, so she kicks him out he kind of throws like a little uh, temper tantrum and runs off to this villain bar which I I love I love the concept of that just like a a bad guy bar so like even Mm -hmm. at the bad guy bar he's getting like (laughs) made fun of and like his drinks getting poured on him they kick him out um so uh he leaves and the this guy from the mafia who he used to work for and was kind of like humiliated uh by uh they pick him up they give him this costume with a whip he goes back to the bar and destroys the place um, and decides that the next thing that he's going to do is go back to the science fair and start, um, you know, wrecking havoc. And really, it's just this big fight with Spider-Man and Iron Man facing off against this guy. Um, They defeat him. Nothing really exciting happens um, in this fight. It's just kind of them blasting each other. Um, And then we finish off the story with uh, him in jail and he's talking to I think his lawyer and then he's like trying to get his phone call and uh, his one phone call he's trying to use to call his mom and his mom won't even pick up the phone and he's kind of like in denial at the end of the comic that she's gonna finally pick up this time and that's where we finish off the story Um, again the idea of it is really fun but they don't ever give us a reason to care about this character. He's just kind of like going around doing things and acting like a dick the entire time. So there's no chance for us to really care. And I mean, even with the like the stilted dialogue as well is just so like robotic and long. And there's just so much that he's thinking about that doesn't actually matter or add anything to the story. It's just more empty thoughts that are just being like, plastered all over every single page that you know partway through hearing his story i'm just like done with it you know what i mean i, I it's because nothing important is being said mm-hmm. i don't know it, it, it was not my it's it's also not the worst marvel team up i will say that there's some interesting stuff happening but it's just um i don't know yeah honestly to me like Oh, sorry. We should ask Micah L. what he thought about this book. No one ever asks you what you Yeah, think. what do you think? Well, you know, um, because it's a different writer, I thought, okay, well, maybe it's going to be something different. And obviously, G.I. Jolie and I are familiar with this writer, Tony Isabella, because he was our guest at our comic convention a few years ago. Um, and I definitely think it stood out 
as from the average issue of Marvel mm-hmm. Team Up, and I do think it had some heart. You know, he tried to get into the mind of this character, uh, Black Lash, aka Whiplash, um, and you know, I like the way it ends, kind of on a ambiguous note. You know, like I like the way um, comics were experimenting with stuff at that time, but like you said, I think the idea is better than the execution. So it was mm-hmm. definitely a good idea. And it's one of those comics that I didn't mind reading it. I might read it again, but I wouldn't rush to read it again. Because it's not a great issue, but it's an okay issue, you know? Right. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I feel like there, there's a... I really like the idea of the ending. It's super interesting and fun and really new for comics to have, like, the villain be the center of attention and then have him fail and he's still, right. like, s- sympathetic at the end. Um, I don't know if that necessarily works in this issue like I don't really feel bad for him because we, we are never really given a chance to like this character um, right. like I, I don't know about you guys but the whole time I'm just kind of like yeah I'm, of course he's going to get defeated like he's going to lose you know mm-hmm. um, but like if they added something different to the story um, it, it could have for sure worked I mean they could have even have had it where um, you know his his mother's losing money, and they're gonna uh, they're gonna lose the bakery, sure. and because because he didn't go to university or because he didn't finish university and he went to jail, he's he can't get a job to you know help them with the store. So you know, and then the mafia comes and offers him one last gig, and he's got to decide if he's gonna go clean or right, you know right, right. do this thing to get some money for his family and you know the only reason he's actually doing this is because he's kind of being forced to to help his mother and then he gets caught at the end of the day and his mom won't even talk to him because of it right so like that is right, right, right. a stronger story because it his motivation for doing something evil is somewhat justified where this, he's just kind of like, everybody's being a dick to me, so guess what? I got a whip now. I'm going to be a dick back. And it's just like, okay, yeah, go to jail. Go to jail. I got a whip, and I got this cape. <laughs> and this cool green ponytail. What? Uh, right. oh. Julie, what's your take on the story? Um, I... Do you know what? This is the first time that one, I both... Uh, sorry, I didn't hate Marvel Team Up, okay. but I also didn't like love it. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is the second. I don't know. I feel like this is probably the second time that that's happened. This story, um, there was no. Uh, the Tony Isabella ignored the idea that he, I, Spider Man, had to team up with somebody by just ignoring it. <laughs> He was like, wait, they got to be in here somehow. So he like wrote a part where Spider-Man shows up and then just like forgot about him, which was awesome. Because <laughs> that's like my, that's been my personal dream about these Marvel team ups is that <laughs> they just acknowledge it briefly and then it goes away mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's the most annoying part about the team ups mm-hmm. is that the fact that Spider-Man is teaming up with somebody. It's always awkward. It's, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, okay, cool. Um, we need we need we need Rhodey in here somehow. So we really just are talking about Rhodey and that's it. <laughs> I don't know how Spider Man followed them to Cleveland. I that that's the part at, that I'm honestly just like, um 
uh, blanking on. But I love the fact that he was like, there's no saving this. Um, there's no saving a book like this. So I'm just going to write in a bunch of Easter eggs. I'm going to write myself into this story. Like, mm-hmm. did you notice the public defender? is? Uh, yes, I was thinking that 100%. Uh, yeah. Um, also, <laughs> they immediately they immediately fly to Cleveland in, like, the third panel. Oh, I didn't even think like, of that. Of course. That's where he's from. <laughs> that's hilarious. Wow. So, it's like, not only, not only did Tony, like, just kind of go, well, F this. Let's yeah. just, like, I don't oh, like the idea awesome. that I might have to be doing this. So, let's put them in Cleveland. Let's ignore Spider-Man, the fact that I have to shoehorn him in somehow. And... I'm going to write myself in. So I thought that was pretty cool. I think that's why I hate this one less than most. It's my second favorite team up. Yeah. Unless you give us a team up where Spider-Man teams up with unicorns. Hmm. Um, Okay. So I'm also going to briefly say, I actually like the art in this issue. Um, It's by Greg LaRocque, who's been the regular penciler for a while. But um, the inking stood out to me because it's so much better than the inking on Amazing Spider-Man. It, it's not spectacular art, but it makes it feel clean and polished, you know? And again, we're looking at the original colors here. So as a package, I really like the art in this one. Uh, Josh, what about you? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the art in this one too, except for except for the first splash page. Um, the, this like pose that spider-man is in is just so uh, uh awful and it. awkward and like it's really it's, just broken it's kind of impossible but as a uh, put it this way as a as anatomically accurate no but as a design i don't mind it because it's kind of like an x so i think that's kind of cool kind of like an x i don't mind it gi julie so. what do you think yeah that bothered me too. <laughs> uh-huh. That leg is a way too long. That left leg. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sorry, but I do like the idea that, um, and this is something in comics that I love, is that um, they'll show up the progression of movement mm. along a page, and you see him kind of um, swinging out of the tunnel and then flipping onto cars, and then. He, like in the foreground in the background mm-hmm. and then in the foreground is the gigantic like that's where he is now i, I like that the movement when they show mm-hmm. movement like that um mm-hmm. but honestly i just i i don't know what it is about the art i don't like it <laughs> other than that like the anatomy is really off a lot um i don't i personally don't think it's as clean as it could be um the, I guess the pencils. I don't. I actually like the inks. Mm. Um, I'm learning to separate those two things more. The pencils are terrible. By the way, I'm just the pencils. Yeah, they're not like Greg LaRock's not a great artist, but I think he's a clean, straightforward artist. And I've always thought he's kind of just like a standard, basic storyteller. But he's not a great artist. No, and there's this thing where like I feel like in comics fashion is like 20 years behind <laughs> yeah and, and like the collars and the the open uh, men's blouses are very like 70s mm-hmm. 
So, wait, well, yeah. this is the 80s, right? I don't so think so. 10 yeah. years behind. Comic book writers are probably not the hippest cats in town, and that's exactly why Superman had a mullet in 1994. So, anyway. Right? But that's that's okay. That's Well, no. Do you know what? Well, yeah. no. You, it, it, it's, it's okay. As long as you don't, you know, you're not taking this as historical fact and, like, costuming right. from it. But, right. you know, it's a good resource <laughs> if you consider that it's 10 years behind. Right. Yeah. Also, you, I'm oh, sorry. My most favorite, my most favorite thing is the sp- he, he splashes the baguettes. Yeah. Angrily. That, uh, that was like the best panel. And, and like his arm, it looks like he's supposed to be like oh. swiping the baguettes, but it, it look, but like his arm doesn't move. It doesn't move, and it just his hand like flicks. It's just flip the bread right off the wrist. counter. You're right. Yeah. On page, like, just so everyone knows, that's on page eight, original page eight. Yeah, a little yeah, goofy, but... Again, it's just, like, it, it's not great art, but it feels like classic Marvel. But, like, oh, boy. Go to page original 15. That's a terrible shot of, of Iron Man punching Blacklash. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. like, it's like, yeah. it's like, he, it's like, that arm, it's like, what did he punch him with? Like, the, the bottom of his hand? Like, I don't know. It just doesn't look right, eh? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, an open backhand. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it just doesn't look right at all. But then, like, if you flip oh, to 16, that's a nice shot of Spidey changing into the black costume. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But, yeah, I like that. But anyway, yeah, so... That's kind of nice, because you know. can actually, like, see... I don't know if you've actually seen, like, the tendrils of the symbiote before now. Like, like right. not, not, for, like not changing on uh, Peter. Like, you can actually see right. them, like, start to wrap around him and see how it forms. Like, I think it's just right. almost been, like, a transition from, like, the bottom to the top, like, swiping up. Right, right. Good point. This is, yeah. Yeah, this is almost uncharacteristically good for this issue. Like, it almost looks mm-hmm. like it was snuck in by a different artist, like Rick Leonardi or something. But I'm not going to accuse anyone of that. But, yeah, it is really good. But anyway, so I definitely, again, I'm not going to rush to reread this issue, but it was definitely enjoyable, so I'll give it a mild recommendation. Uh, G.I. Jolie, what do you think? Um, if you are triggered by people <laughs> wasting food, do not read this issue. Okay. Uh, that's it. I mean, for all of the things that we mentioned, go ahead and read that. And shout out to Tony. He did a fabulous <laughs> job. The That's dialogue right. is very Tony Isabella. There is some mm. like colloquialisms, um, the way that the characters talk that I was like, well, that character would never talk like that. But I know that's how he writes characters talking. So, Right. Uh, Josh? Um, no, I don't think I would. <laughs> I- I I, no? I I don't I don't think it was awful. It's just not something that I would recommend because I don't think that I love the idea of it. I just don't think that the execution like there wasn't enough payoff to it. So right. the the ending just kind of fell flat and um I don't think I would recommend it. All right. Okay, so that brings us to our third of four books this week. So we've got four. Let's not forget that. Um, so right. the next one is going to be Peter Parker of the Spectacular Spider-Man number 94. Uh, Joe, Julie, did you want to quickly summarize this one? 
I would love to summarize this book if I even understood what happened in it. <laughs> All right. Um, I can try, and this will pretty much be me flicking through the pages and remembering. Okay. So it kind of starts, it's like another sort of um, cloak and dagger featured in this book story. Um, it starts off with Kingpin. He's sitting with one of his henchmen. The answer? The question? The no, answer? Yeah, the answer is the answer. Goon the over here. Oh. The question um, is DC. Actually, Charlton, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, so anyway. Um, they're trying to create a worthy assassin for uh, to do the Kingpin's bidding. And we find out, um, we don't know who it is. Uh, but you know they cackle um, nefarious things <laughs> are happening and they suddenly um, I love this word coruscate uh, but the energy you know it lifts <laughs> there's there's much of it I can't mm-hmm. speak English right now it's so weird um, so anyway it's a silhouetted figure emerges from what used to be as we were told a dead shell of a person um, and then it weirdly cuts to cloak and dagger, um, and they're fighting crime as they usually mm-hmm. do. And this is where I learned—I've always wondered, but never really known—that I guess, well, I've known, but I didn't really know how Tardis-like that cloak is. Um, right. He just like envelops a bunch of bad guys into the cloak, and like it's like super interdimensional. Right. So they just kind of disappear. Right. Yeah, or it's it's, it's like, strange because it's like it's almost like this dimension is like a whole other world, but it's also it's almost like it's sentient as well because it like hungers. This like thing controlling cloak is like always hungry and needs to consume energy. Yeah, and like the cloak, it works in tandem with his body mm-hmm. it's a and um and this is the part that i i was like what um it says his cloak wraps around them like a thing alive which is that hungry thing that josh is talking about dot 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 and transports them through the dark dimension that is cloak's body so it's not even like the cloak that is the thing that's tra- it's it's his body mm-hmm. it's his whole being which is like very um it's a little worrisome. Uh, I, in, it, mostly in the unknown thing. The, the whole idea that it's a very unknown um, sort of thing. and It's troubling to me because I, you know, um, the way that black holes are troubling, you know? Right. Does yeah. It, does anyone... So, okay, cool. Anyway. Uh, yeah, um, I think that's... Leave us with those thoughts, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's why their dynamic is so interesting, uh, because like, Dagger is just like nothing but energy, and Cloak needs to feed on energy, so they kind of like work together to kind of balance each other out. So I think that's why they've always made like a fun duo, and it's really kind of a unique. Um, I guess they're kind of mutants because there's, there's there was like a drug that changed their DNA. Uh, are they are they considered mutants? Do you know, Mike or or Julie? Yeah, I, I I think at this point, like they were kind of trying to make everyone a mutant so that they would sell better. So they definitely right. said that they were mutants, but okay. uh, 
I don't know if they're still considered mutants today. They might have changed that. Mm. But yeah, at this point, I think they were considered mutants. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think that their dynamic is super fun. Um, it feels a little weird in this issue, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's very... It's got an existential feel, especially with what happens next. Again, they just kind of jitter cut right to, like, right. Peter Parker, who is kind of strolling through the streets and he's on his way to a restaurant to meet well he's kind of he's kind of like in his own head right now and he's like well why can't i just have like a relationship why can't it just be like cool for me why can't i be like liz and harry and then he says why can't i just have a normal relationship like the one that i had with gwen stacy and i'm like oh my god this guy Wait, but, obviously... But wait, but he also yeah. says the one I had with Gwen Stacy before she died. <laughs> yeah, Dude, that's why... Man, it, what a bummer. You just, ans- you just answered your own question. It wasn't normal. She was killed by... Well, by you, but... <laughs> you <Yeah. laughs> moron. But, like, um, yeah. So, it turns out that... Um, well, he, 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 we don't know that he's going to meet his friends... Well, no, he's not going to meet his friends. He runs into Liz and Harry. They're mm-hmm. on their way to meet Shan, um, who is having like a rough time uh, with the Flash. Wait, with Flash, with not the not Flash. The yeah. Again, Flash, yeah. that's Flash DC. Is here. <laughs> <laughs> she's having <laughs> she's having problems with Flash. <laughs> right. Like he's disappearing in the night. They, they meet at a place called Smokey's, which, uh, you know what, while we talk about it later, I'll Google it and see if it's a real place. But I feel like it's probably a really cool joint in New York. Um, let's see. They meet her for food, which they never eat, but uh, she just kind of tells them their pro- her, well, her problems. Like, well, Peter does eat some spicy chili. It's very important. <laughs> okay. Does he eat spicy chili or does he know that Flash, what Flash is up to and he's trying to hide it? <laughs> I don't yeah, know. That, that was no, like a gag he... that was not properly executed. You know, like they were trying to be funny, but it didn't work in my opinion. Eh? Okay. Yeah, it's so weird. It's it's especially so weird because we jump from Cloak and Dagger like, I, I'm too weak to help you consume i must consume human souls and then we smash right? cut to like oh this is some spicy chili mm-hmm. it's like are you kidding me this is this does not to work like, yeah to this quadruple date slash maybe intervention who knows it's just the weirdest it's just the weirdest juxtaposition of like life uh it's you know what i mean like it's it's the just the idea if they wanted to remind us that we were reading a comic, this is how they do it. Like mm-hmm. the absolute fin- most fantastic of fantastical things, soul eating, uh, dimension shifting, <laughs> cut to Peter Parker reminiscing about his past relationship with a woman he accidentally couldn't save <laughs> slash help to kill. Yeah. Um, Sure wish my girlfriend wasn't dead. Time for some chili. Right? Like, it's it's just just so so strange. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, do we know what the Flash is up to? I mean, what Flash is up to? I don't think so, no. Do we? But he does. There was that thing a few weeks ago. 
the Flash leaving. Remember his girlfriend yeah, said something like, by were... the Buddha or whatever she said. Right. <laughs> Why did he leave? I can't even remember. Uh, he, that is not he clearly, he ran out because <laughs> her character was too on the nose. <sighs> by the Buddha. Jesus Christ. Anyway, oh, but he does come back if he's been gone since then he does come back because they decide to call it quits at lunch and liz and harry leave but peter who's ever the friend has just taken shan's hand and flash who has followed clues that he finds in shan's garbage can like instead of picking up the phone and calling her for the past, I don't know, two months. Um, I say two months because it's been two issues. Um, instead of calling her or reaching out to the woman who's supposed to be his girlfriend, he finds clues in her trash about where she's supposed to be today. Follows the clues to the restaurant and sure enough, sees through the glass window her holding hands with Peter. And in his mind, he immediately assumes that she's been aloof because she's cheating on him right or she's being um you know there's some infidelity happening and that's about where my mind took a break uh but they do crash into the original sort of part of the first part of the story and the reason why we should be reading this comic in the first place they cut back to the room where Kingpin and the answer are doing science and being this assassin, they're Frankensteining like an assassin uh, for, and they, they manage to do it. They manage to bring him to life, but they need to be able to control him. So the answer slaps a collar on it. We still don't know what it is, but we do see a face now. So that's kind of neat. Um, but we find out. Let's see. It's isn't it funny that skip. isn't it funny that a guy named the Answer brings up more questions than before? Mm. Like, <laughs> what does this what does this magic collar do? What is this? Why do yeah. you have a, something called the submission collar? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that doesn't sound. Um, uh, well. It, it, you just happen to have that handy? You, I mean, I know that you have a deluxe lab, but... <laughs> how did you know you are going to need that? <laughs> anyway. How many other scientists are in there engineering your weird crap? <laughs> oh my god. I don't know if this is important or not, because they... Uh. Um, oh god, they cut... They, it's just very disjointed, because they cut back they slap that collar on him and it goes directly back to Peter Parker. Nothing is resolved about Flash seeing him and Shan holding hands. Um, it just comes back to Pete uh, sort of interrupting Mrs. Muggins who is listening at his door to see if him and Black Cat are in there. Because she's just being nosy at this point. And um, yeah, that's it. He kind of calls her out and that's the end of that. Like, nothing really big comes out of that exchange. Again, kind of annoying. But um, he picks up the phone and calls Felicia. <clears throat> and he says that, like, you know, he, he calls her, invites her um, to chat. Because 
they haven't been able to do that for two years. You know, there's never been an opportunity to do that. And she's like, well, of course. And of course, Peter Parker is, you know, it's just, I don't know why he would ever invite Felicia to talk to him when she, he knows, I don't understand why he doesn't get it. He just doesn't get that um, she doesn't want to talk. Right. She just is so romanced by the idea of swinging around the city with him that mm. she, like she's just one dimensional and has a one track mind. So I don't know. Maybe she's got like a golden vagina. I, I don't know. Um, but anyway, while he's on the way to um, talk to Black Cat, he runs into we we find out who this this silver assassin is that kingpin has been engineering with the answer and um he's sort of introduced to us in the strangest panel ever yeah it's not a good panel no and it's like it's silvermane and i'm like it's who (laughs) (laughs) excuse you (laughs) see like i I mean i knew silvermane is but i thought two or three issues of build-up that was pretty that was a letdown yeah um, I, I was like, oh, yeah. really? I mean, I like the design, but not a great character. And also, like you said, the panel, where they introduce them, there's like half the panel is negative space. That could have been yeah. u- used mm-hmm. up by either Silvermane or Spider-Man, but why have all that negative space? I don't know. It was just, yeah, poorly done. Yeah, and it's and then you sort of find out um, uh, while they're talking... I mean, while they're fighting, that this is an old adversary of Cloak and Dagger who they killed. He's been killed at least twice before. The first time he was successfully revived. Uh And then the second time he was, again, successfully revived. So I guess he's unkillable or maybe he's not unkillable. He's just uh, special Mm. and is revivable. Who knows? But anyway, I don't know if he's been metal or, you know, rock this rock hard through every incarnation of himself. But um, they find it problematic because, well, Spider-Man finds him problematic because he can't seem to land a punch Mm -hmm. that will um, compromise him. And he's kind of worried about that. And this thing is just wreaking havoc in New York. And that's pretty much where it ends. Yeah, I mean... Um, He somehow is able to get away from Silvermane and Mm -hmm. crawl back home to where Felicia is inside his apartment waiting. And that's how the book ends. It's so... find Cloak and Dagger. Weird. We see Silvermane choking Spider-Man out. He's literally choking him out on page 20 and we see him, we see on the next page, um, he's holding up Spider-Man's limp body (laughs) and then all of a sudden Spider-Man is at Black Cat's house like, hey, I need some help. I'm dying. It's like, how Uh, did this happen? What happened? uh, Yeah. It's so, so strange. I mean, Mm -hmm. oh, the dialogue in this issue too is hard to read wow it really sucks i mean there's a moment at the beginning 
where we're catching up with Cloak and Dagger. And Cloak and Dagger, who have known each other for as long as they have been alive, are explaining <laughs> are explaining to each other their own powers. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so strange that this was not done in like a this was done in dialogue and not in just like narration. You're right. The exact same it's information so could have been strange. given through omniscient narration. You're right. Yeah. It's just the artificial drugs that were injected into us and experiments on runaway children by organized crime gave you your curse of darkness and granted you the blessing of light and the power to give or take that life energy in all living things. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> the thing is, <laughs> that dialogue is, is not important to anything that's happening in this story. We don't see right. them use their powers at all besides Cloak who envelops the bad guys. And then mm-hmm. when that happens, he talks about how he needs to feed and he they need to he needs to feed the dark dimension so, to survive or else he'll lose control and she says I'm sorry, I can't help you. I don't have any energy. That explains their powers mm-hmm. right there. Why do we need to have them right. talk to each other in this almost like like third person type of like Right, Hi, right, right. I'm Cloak and I'm Dagger, uh-huh. and these are uh-huh. our powers. It's just like such a weird introduction for their characters, uh, and, and that dialogue is pretty much throughout. It's just like this weird, stilted, super dry dialogue, super on the nose, like, mm-hmm. like the characters have to like blatantly say out loud what they're thinking and feeling instead right, of right showing us what's happening the characters have to stand there and say it and it's so annoying i really really did not like this issue uh it, this was the hardest one to read for sure uh yeah well like i said before i don't want to pick on al milgram but he's kind of known as like a poor writer and a poor artist and while i didn't hate this issue there's plenty of things to criticize it for it's just not great uh, yeah. Although the cover's kind of nice, but yeah. anyway. No. What's that, Julie? The, the, the art's not terrible. Mm. Yeah, I don't hate the art. I don't hate it at all. It's Some of it's kind of nice, you know? Well, actually, yeah. <laughs> we we do get a surprising um, little bit of information about the kingpin. Um, and not in the dialogue, but in the, mm. uh, in the, 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 the drawings. Do you guys remember it was I think it was the first appearance of the Kingpin um, in in the issues that we were reading for Spidercast. We were talking about Kingpin's like gem on his chest. And we're like, why is it glowing? It's so weird. And then we're like, oh, those lines are just the folds of the fabric. Mm-hmm. Do you guys remember that? Right. I think that was like that was like in our like fur one of like some of our first early episodes, but but here it's actually mm-hmm. glowing. It's glowing on page yeah, you can on see. page eleven, the second panel. You can see it glowing off of his chest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, is that important to the story? No, but that's the one thing I took away from this comic is that he's got a special, powerful gem on him. And I need to know more. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just here for the kingpin updates. I think. Mm-hmm. 
I want to know what he's wearing. Well, I want to know <laughs> what kind of workout attire he's got on. <laughs> yeah, but like honestly, is like it, is it like that? Like yeah, like Julie said, some of this art is fine. Like he's doing a good imitation of Kirby Crackle. He's got mm. some good, you know, like storytelling is clear. So I don't know. He's not a terrible artist. He's kind of like a a classic, almost like nineteen fifties storytelling artist. Not great, but he's not terrible. So I don't hate the art. Um, it's inked by Jim Mooney again, who always helps, right? Like it looks mm -hmm. polished. It looks good. So Jim Mooney should be inking Amazing Spider-Man with Ron Friends. I, that would be amazing. I think that's why the crackle looks so great too. Right, right. Is Jim yeah, Mooney? Right yeah. Yep. I mean, yeah, his, his you know, like years with working with John Romita on Amazing, I think, really helped. Mm -hmm. And he was also inking Spider-Man back in the 70s. I didn't realize that. So he's a long-time really? Spidey inker. Yep. So anyway, so I give this one, again, a mild recommendation. Uh, Josh, what about you? No way. No way. I hated it. <laughs> I hated this one. <laughs> I didn't mind it. Uh, G.I. Jolie? Um, you know what? I recommend the last panel on page 19 only for the foreshortening. It's beautiful. And mm. it's a great little hiney shot of Spider-Man <laughs> in the way that like it reminds me of when you had to like in art school when we had to draw um, the nude model and they were lying flat on their stomachs. Oh. And it was probably the worst position you could draw a human's body yeah. in. Yeah. But it was the most challenging and it's honestly I've never seen a panel like that in a comic. It, that's so it, art, it's kind of artful. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, I'm looking at it right now. That is an awkward, yeah, position. Um, it is, but it's kind of cool. It's very cinematic. Yeah, For sure. And like, even look yeah, at the panel her. above yeah. that of Spidey jumping down with the cops in the background, how they're just black silhouette and the mm -hmm. whole background is pink. I think that's great. You know, yeah. like stuff like that is fine. I don't mind it, yeah. I just, do you know what? I will recommend it for anyone who is interested in robotic geriatric acrobatics. That's super fun. Mm -hmm. I still don't know who Silvermane is because he didn't say anything. I'm not convinced that um, in his second revival he's able to speak, but I could be proven wrong later. Um, also, you know, I feel like the answer is kind of this cool little sidekick administrative assistant to Kingpin. That could be a fun buddy comic. Um, yeah, that's it. I, I, ugh, I don't recommend it, but I also don't not recommend it. Okay. So in the middle. Mm-hmm. Very oh, okay, so usually at this point we would wrap things up, but we have another issue, and that is Peter Parker, <laughs> Spectacular Spider-Man Annual number four. And I can just say for the record, I was not looking forward to reading this, but I was personally, I was pleasantly surprised. I thought it was pretty good. Um, I will talk about mm. the art later. Josh has died. <laughs> He's huh? silent. Yeah, Josh. No, no, is I, like, I, I think that the first story was pretty good on this one. Um, oh yeah, yeah. We should point out these two stories. Yeah, which we'll talk about them separately. 
Um, I'll just say, so this is written by Bill Mantlo, former regular writer of Spectacular Spider-Man, also known for doing ROM, Micronauts, a bunch of other things, uh, The Hulk, kind of a famous, uh, we'll say middle-of-the-road Marvel writer in the 70s and 80s, but um, he, he's definitely gained a following over the years, and I think he does a pretty good job here. The pencils are by Kerry Gamble, who we just covered on um, Flea Market Fantasy doing Indiana Jones. Kerry Gamble has done a few issues of uh, Marvel Team-Up. Definitely... A classic storyteller again good penciler mm-hmm. uh, oh and by the way halfway through the story uh, the pencil switched to Sal Buscema which we'll talk about in a minute um, and the inks are by Carlos Garzon who I'm not familiar with but I actually think the inking kind of ruins this issue it's not great it's a little bit sloppy yeah, it's not terrible but it's a little bit sloppy but we can talk about that later mm. Josh were you gonna say something I was actually going to say I'm not familiar with this inker at all. That's 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 what I wanted to say. I think that there's right. some stuff that stands out uh, that's really well done. Like the the fir- like the cold open, um, I thought was really well inked. I really liked right. the way that it looked. And then there are some other pages that do seem little. I mean, even the splash page, it kind of falls not falls apart, but it like it does seem a little bit more sloppy and rushed. Right. So there's stuff, some stuff that I think looks really good, and and I had to go check to see who, who this was, and I'm not familiar with him at all. I I've, I might have come across him, but it, I would mm-hmm. say he's kind of just yeah, he doesn't really stand out. I mean, there's a couple of shots which we'll get to later, but overall, it's a little bit uneven at the very least, we'll say. Mm-hmm. But uh, okay, so I'm just gonna quickly summarize this. So we open up with uh, a really detailed description of these guys robbing a bank. Um, they're coming through the floor. It's kind of a cool scene. Then when they, they're just about to get away with the money and Spider-Man seemingly is about to intervene, right? And uh, do, do what Spidey does. But since we're in the middle of the alien symbiote costume saga, Spider-Man actually just passes by them and just goes on his way and they can't figure out what's going on, right? Uh, so we join Spider-Man, but we don't see any thought bubbles, right? So this is technically out of order, I think this is supposed to happen at least a month or two after the the other issues we just read. Because I think this is further along in the mystery of the alien costume. Because now if we definitely see for sure that this is Spider-Man, he's swinging around, and Peter Parker is unaware of what's going on. So I think that's what's happening here. It's a little bit out of order. But then we cut over to Aunt May, and we get this really interesting story where she's kind of um, walking along New York, and she's kind of flashing back to her youth when she had this, uh, you know, romance with this, you know, basically a criminal. At the same time that he knew Ben Parker, which is uh, Peter's uncle, um, she was having this romance with this criminal named, what was his name again? No Jerry one? Jerome? Jerry yeah, Jerome. Okay. Or Johnny Jerome. And so, was yeah. It Johnny. Johnny oh, Jerome. It. Yeah, and so throughout the story, which we'll get to later, she kind of flashes back. And so we're, we kind of intercut and learn, you know, the story kind of unfolds in the past and the present. So that's kind of cool. Um, we get a little bit of, um, again, of Spider-Man coming back to his apartment and falling asleep. Well, not falling asleep, but collapsing on his bed because he's actually kind of been sleepwalking this whole time because the costume is um, controlling him. Uh, then we get to digital page nine. I'm not sure if you guys noticed this, but in the middle of this, um, recap of Spider-Man's origin, we actually get the source of the Web of Spider-Man um, corner box that I used as the new Here Comes mm-hmm. the Spider-Cast image. Did you guys notice that? 
Yeah, actually, I did. Where? Yeah. What? What page? Uh, digital uh, page nine. Original eight. What? Oh, yes. And I gotta wow. say... And you didn't call me to cut that out? Well, well, I've already got it, but you could if you want to, yeah. It's it's actually <laughs> a really good shot. Like, to be honest, I'm surprised Carrie Gamble drew it, because I do think he's a good artist, but this is, like, just perfect to me. It's just awesome. But anyway, mm. enough mm. gushing. Um, so anyway, okay, so basically, so Nathan Lubinsky is... That is worried about Aunt May because she's, uh, you know, getting these letters from this guy. So he, he wants Spider-Man, or Peter Parker to kind of help out. So Spidey hitches a ride on top of a taxi cab and follows Aunt May. And again, some of this art is great. Like page, digital page 14, the shot of Aunt May's face in front of Col the old Coney Island. Like, that's a great shot of her face, right? That's a mm -hmm. great, of her, uh, or, you know, head and shoulders. Like, it's a great shot. But anyway... Flashing back, you know, again, we're finding out there's a little bit of rivalry between Ben and this other guy. This guy is kind of a troublemaker, and Ben is the good guy, so Ben's trying to keep her away from him, but she's still falling for him. And in the present, Spider-Man is trying to track her down to find out what's going on. So eventually, at around the point where we switch over to Sal Buscema on uh, original page 18, um, is... Yeah, basically, this is where Spider-Man now is trying to find... Or Peter Parker is finding out more information. He finds some old pictures of um, of her with this guy, right? And, like, love letters to him and stuff like that. So he's kind of getting an idea of what's going on. So he ends up tracking her down to the old neighborhood where they used to hang out. And it's now this crime-ridden, um, you know... It's like, you know, the West End of Windsor, but it's in New York. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then basically... Um, you know, Aunt May just goes in, and um, he ends up meeting up with this with this dude. But meanwhile, there's these hooligans outside that you know see someone in their territory, so they got to go you know rip her off. But Spider-Man comes in and beats them all up, and Aunt May and this guy don't even know that that's going on outside. But meanwhile, we're flashing back, and we're getting more of the story in the background. Uh, sorry, in the the flashbacks. And basically, of course, I just read this. I can't even remember what we found out. But uh, so the re the reason why oh sorry go ahead no go ahead because I can't remember I read it a few days yeah, ago <laughs> the reason why uh, Aunt May ends up choosing Ben over Johnny Jerome is because Johnny ends up being uh, this thief and he robbed a jewelry store and um, she kind of tells him that it's over between them and she runs to Ben and, and they get together and she decides that she's in love with him instead. So uh, Johnny's been leaving her these letters to kind of meet her here so she can, so they can kind of rekindle this love and, um, and he can prove that he's like turned his life around. And then uh, she kind of, you know, realizes what's going on and, and, says that i you know kind of like she's with somebody else but it's good that he's like changing his ways and spider-man this whole time is like trying to hide the fact that these goons are trying to rob them not to like mm -hmm. mess up this moment and then aunt may kind of goes back to normal and she's not in this like weird state but yeah um yeah by by the end of it she uh you know she goes back to normal and um, 
the end. Everything's happy. Everybody's happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so here's the thing, though. is Like I said, I, I didn't mind this issue. I thought it was a, yeah. a cool story. Uh, what did you think, Josh? Yeah, this was fun. Um, I think this is one of those times where we see, like, a side character – um, mm-hmm. and we give them more of like a backstory and like give them the spotlight. I really like that we really didn't have this like big bad villain trying to uh, stop Spidey in the midst of all this. We really give uh, we really give the audience and the story a, some time to like uh, care and really think about what's going on and um, the kind of the fact that it's ambiguous and they think that she's going senile and she's seeing these things kind of up here it's kind of like what's going on like i mean it's not too much of a mystery but we're kind of like mm-hmm. piecing this story together as you know we're flipping through the pages right. and i think it really works like it's it's really thought out uh, uh really well and um i think it ties up really nicely at the end i i, I actually particularly really like the those like slow moments with Aunt May where she's reminiscing and she's like looking at the this old condemned building that she used to go to all the time right, for like right, this right. ballroom and it like slowly morphs back into um, what it used to be in her mind and then that kind of like transitions us into the flashback and it's super fun and creative right. and I mean this whole issue is pretty much just nothing but flashbacks and it works it, it's really well done mm-hmm. normally i hate these like flashback stories where we stop the action to um to, to you know tell a character's background but in this case it's mm-hmm. it's so tied into the story and and like her remembering all of this stuff is like clues to what's happening and it's it's really fun yeah uh jolie what do you think did you enjoy it um yeah because this is like the plot of almost every romantic time travel movie i've ever seen like um (laughs) like i feel like this is a movie starring young sandra bullock and a you know a young keanu reeves Mm -hmm. where you know finds notes in a wall and they're transported back in time. I mean, it's not the lake house, but, you know, she's transported back to a bygone era because clearly she's old as dust. And they <laughs> meant they don't forget to mention that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like, uh, and you get to see Aunt May. I get to right. see Aunt May. Because um, for all, we only know about one Nathan Lubinsky and two Uncle Ben but what about what about all the other potential suitors that we you know could have been lining up for May because she is a dime obviously Mm -hmm. um in her youth she was one of those (laughs) like skinny little mini hottie blondes and Mm -hmm. why wasn't there a lineup why wouldn't there be five other Johnnies you know what I mean (laughs) it was kind of cool to see that and what wasn't cool though was um kind of seeing the way that she treated ben Mm. (laughs) it's like oh bitch this is the origin of ben parker oh shoot (laughs) (laughs) she only got with him because she quote 
doesn't want to marry a criminal. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Which, okay, that's fair, but <laughs> yeah, we do get we do get throughout her kind of doubting if she likes Johnny or if she likes Ben, but I, it is a little strange that that like it's not anything that mm-hmm. Ben does. It's like a bad action that the other guy does, where she like that's what makes her decide is it's that's i think that's why it's a little weird like if if ben saved her somehow or like i don't know something yeah he he actually did nothing in this case he was just not a criminal and she settled for ben right i think even ben because they're like about to like they're like talking or whatever in the house and isn't it ben who like barges in he's like he's a criminal be with me mm-hmm. and it's just like mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah okay yeah <laughs> i guess i'll choose you over the criminal sure yeah sad mm. um but no i like the story it was really good. Again, like it, like I said, in my very long-worded, twisted way, it was very much like any romantic um, drama comedy slash time travel saga um, that I've watched. It was very, you know, what I just, I just finished Outlander, and it reminded me a little bit of that, except right. for not at all that. <laughs> Well, I think the thing is, is that, again, I don't think Bill Mantle is a genius, but I appreciate the effort he put into the structure of the story. And, what, again, when I saw the cover, I was like, oh, here we go. But I read it, and it's like it's much more like reading a, a, something you'd see in a novel, right? Like, like mm-hmm. Jordan said, like a ro- romantic novel. So I definitely give him props for doing this, this story, for sure. I recommend this. This is a good story. Mm-hmm. But that's not the end, because there's another story. Right? Beans. And yeah. unfortunately, unfortunately, there's another story. Um, Josh, you're gonna summarize this one, I oh, believe. It still, it still leaves such a bad taste in my mouth. After such a great, <laughs> after like... gr- such a great story, we we have to we have to read this issue about black cats wine craft. This sucks. Yeah. This sucks so much. I hate it. I I I mean. <laughs> Okay, so Felicia and Peter are on this date. They decide, okay, today we're going to be normal. We're going to sit down and, and or, like order food and watch TV. And Peter says, hey, I got you this present. She unwraps it. Whoa, it's a wine craft. I love it. So she turns around um, to grab something. And guess what? The craft is just gone. So she makes up this lie to... Uh, to like get Peter out of the house so she can look for this thing and it says we don't have any wine and she says because we've decided that it's going to be a normal night you can't <laughs> you are not allowed to use your costume <laughs> go out like a like a regular person and go buy wine because she wants to stall and it's really just this mad goose chase across New York and uh, <laughs> to find this guy who kind of looks like santa he's got this like big red trench coat and this white curly beard and she's just chasing him throughout the city and it turns out that it's her old pal that she used to be a cat burglar with when she and she finds this out by ripping off the fake 
beard and mustache and it's actually this woman and um after that black cat invites her back home on the dinner date and that's it she's just sitting there while while the two of them are preparing food this sucks right yeah (laughs) in their costumes oh my god and it's also just so strange because okay oh why why is peter even (laughs) in the spidey costume if they're like we're having a normal night we're not gonna be superheroes today it just doesn't make sense that he's dressed up as spider-man and the only reason he is is because they don't want to reveal his secret identity to felicia's friend i can't remember her name tanya or the oh whatever it was i don't know uh let me see tammy tammy oh that's close (laughs) yeah so it's just so strange so weird i don't like this issue get it out of here uh i just gotta say if you don't like this story get ready for the early 90s because by the time we get to that point all the marvel annuals are loaded with crap like this this kind of writing and this kind of art like this art's not terrible but it doesn't look like professional Marvel art of this time. It looks like, I mean, yeah, again, some of it's really, some of it's decent, but it just looks like, it looks like someone who's learning to be an artist and they're definitely mm-hmm. putting a lot of effort into it. But you can see like on, dig, on original page four, which is digital 34, like that weird shot of a uh, black cat swinging over the city, the positioning of the panel is just so awkward, right? Cause it looks like mm-hmm. she's almost, trying to get over the bottom two panels. It's just something a professional would not really do, you know? I don't yeah. know. There's just some really awkward layouts in here. I, I think that the the thing that did stand out to me, though, is I think that the... Um, I think that Felicia really looks great in this issue. Like, her face, I mean. Like, she looks like sure. a real person. Like, she, she has, like, actual, like, features to her face where <laughs> yeah. in Spectacular, she's... It's just kind of like blank face with big lips. There's not right, really right, much right. of like there's there's not much that differentiates her from any other female that's drawn in any of these comics. She's Right, right. She has white hair and a collar on, so mm-hmm. it must be Felicia. Where in this one like I don't know, her, her face seems more defined. You can kind of like um see the proportions of like her eyes and her nose and her mouth like I know she looks she looks like how Peter looks right if mm-hmm. that makes sense like like Peter actually has features that make him look like Peter and I, I feel like she looks like Felicia in this one right right yeah hmm. do you know what the art the way that the the art was it reminded me of like fashion illustration Mm. Right, right. And there was a comic by, um, oh my God, was it, was it Alan Moore that did Gla- Glamour Puss? Say, say it again. The comic. There was a comic book. No, he wasn't even involved. Um, there was a comic by Dave Sim, who is a Canadian comic book writer. And yes. Artist. Mm. It reminds me of that book. 
the the way that Felicia's face is. There's like this really glorious close up of her face. Um, on where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Uh, page n- page nine. Yeah, there's a they, nine. Yeah, they in start the over corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so a good it's shot. Page yeah. nine. Mm-hmm. There's it's page nine of the side story, but that I it it made me pause. I really right. didn't think about the art in the back in the backup until that part, and I was like, "Wait, well, I mean, I thought about it when you see her sort of flying through the air, um, but when you see that close up of her face, I was like, "Wait, this is like, hmm, it, like editorial mm-hmm. style." Yeah, like clearly this guy is taking time and he's putting more effort into a lot of other comic book artists at this time it's just that he doesn't have the experience with how to lay out the page as well and so some of the positions look a little awkward and some of the layouts look awkward but he's definitely putting his uh, you know he gets an a for effort that's for sure Mm. and like you know even if you go to digital page 42 the shot of her friend that's a great shot of her face yeah it looks like anne hathaway Right. Good point. Good point. Like, yeah. like, like it this, looks like a real person. Right. Like uh-huh. apparently this guy did um, a couple issues of Swamp Thing with Alan Moore, and he definitely this guy draws much more in like a '90s Vertigo style than like an '80s, mm. you know, um, superhero style. So yeah, I could totally see that. I, I, yeah. I, again, like and, and you know, contrary to what most people think, I actually don't think the Vertigo art in the '90s is great. Because I think it is kind of like this, where you have people who, yes, they are good illustrators, but not necessarily good comic book artists. But that's kind of just the way the art has evolved. So what can you do? But yeah, uh, I don't, uh, I don't ever want to read the story again. But I don't hate it. Nope. No, but I, I can't recommend the story. I can recommend the first story for sure, though. Uh, well, we know that Josh hates it. Like, yeah, a thousand percent <laughs> hates it. But you know what? I 2,000% hate it. It's the worst thing I've ever freaking read. So I wanted bad. to... <laughs> right? Okay. Usually, my my worst fear is that I'll start a movie. Because I like to watch a good comedy. But my worst fear is that it ends up being one of those, like, stoner, um, bumbling through the city, searching for some your car right you know what i mean searching mm-hmm. for a key or a, a time traveling hot tub like but one thing leads to another leads to another leads to another and this is what this is except for poorly written mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like uh, at least harold and kumar was fun that's my favorite types one of my favorite movies in the world is Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. And the whole time I was like, you know what? The things that are happening are not like the places that she's going to find the stupid wine graph mm-hmm. of all things. Um, th- th- it doesn't make any sense. It's nonsensical. <laughs> and <laughs> when it's nonsensical, in my mind, it doesn't need to be happening. Uh-huh. And it, it all started with her saying, oh, you know, to buy more time, I'll suggest to him that he not use his powers to go downstairs to get the wine. And then when he leaves, she goes, oh, thank God I came up with that solution. Because had he used his webs, and then she explains why, what would have happened if he had used his webs, thus wasting more time. 
I just I can't. It's a wine carafe. The thing is, right, too, right. by the end of the story, Felicia invites mm-hmm. her up to the date night. Mm-hmm. So Spider-Man at the end of this knows what happens. So why not just say, hey, Spider-Man, somebody broke into the apartment and stole this thing. Can you help me find it? What's the point of not including him in this? Right, right, right. It's so strange. It's just, uh, yeah. Do you know my favorite part of it is, though? Just seeing him in this, like, a silhouetted Spider-Man in, like, on the ledge of a window with groceries and a paper bag just under his arm. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh god, that's just the icing on this really like you know, this really salty cake. <laughs> yeah. God. So, and, and like I said, this is what annuals became later is a lot of filler junk like this. So, I checked ahead to next year and by 1985 the annuals <laughs> get really good, so we have a lot to look forward hmm. to, but unfortunately, we're still going through our slightly rough patch of Spidey comics, but we're getting closer and closer. <laughs> to the debut of Peter David, which I'm really looking forward to. But until then, just stick with us. Uh, coming up in the next few weeks, we're going to have... Oh, yeah, we're going to have a special guest appearance by Jay Fosgett reviewing Hulk number 300 and Transformers number 3. Uh, then in a few weeks after that, we're going to review the, uh, the cartoon adaptation of the Alien Suit Saga, so that'll be fun. And then we'll be doing a special spotlight on UK issues of Spider-Man, so that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm excited um, for that one. <laughs> yeah. I definitely want to thank uh, Judge Jolie for returning again this week. Hopefully, you'll be with us next week. Actually, I'm sure you will be. Because Jay Fosgett will be joining us, and that's always fun, right? Yes, I'm always here for Jay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Josh, you can take it from there. Yeah, we also want to thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Um, it really helps when you guys leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts. Um, uh, you can also drop us a line on Twitter at, at @hctspidercast. Uh, please let us know what you guys think about the issues that we're reading, what you think about the podcast itself. Um, we want to hear what you guys have to say about it, and we want to keep that conversation going. That's right. So until next Monday, this has been Here Comes the Spidercast. All right. See you then. Oh.